What's up, everybody? Welcome to the View from Jamestown. This is the July 2018 View from Jamestown podcast recording. Sitting down with Rob Roach, TCC president, and for the first time, Matt Francoeur, TCC's EHS coordinator. Thank you guys for sitting down this morning. Uh, happy belated birthday, Rob. It was Rob's birthday yesterday. Uh, so happy, happy belated. Sound like you had a good day out on the uh, out on the boat for a while. Had some nice weather. Yeah, it was beautiful out. Thank you, Ben. <clears throat> Feeling a little rough this morning. <laughs> Stayed up a little too late last night. It was uh, it was a good day though. Yeah, and Matt, welcome for the first time. Thanks for sitting down and joining us. Hopefully, be some some good EHS insight. Uh, a lot lot going on. I think a lot lot to talk about. So thanks I'll for do my best. I'm sure. Yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, so starting things off, definitely July. It's definitely summer and it's definitely hot. Uh, got a little heat wave going on. Um, what's going on with you guys? Any, any initial thoughts or things going on? Well, you just introduced Matt. I think it's you know important to note that we have a full-time EHNS um, staff member, and and he's been a great addition to the TCC family. Um, most mid-sized distribution companies don't have their own, you know, dedicated EHNS, and and we do now. And Matt's doing a great job, and he's looking at the details and making sure that uh, you know that we um, are covered on our supplier side. He's done a lot of plant audits. He's gone and uh, visited with uh, customers and, and done audits at customers and helped them with issues. He's got us uh, ISO 14001 certified, um, amongst other things. I mean, it's, it's really neat to see, um, you know, how much time is spent on EHS here at TCC. I didn't think it was a full-time job. <clears throat> I'm learning it is <laughs> very much a full-time <laughs> job. <laughs> And uh, so, welcome, Matt. He, Matt's been around for a while, but it, this is his first podcast. So mm-hmm. he's he's been so busy, he hasn't been able to be on our podcasts. Yeah, and as I learn more, there's more value I can bring to these kind of things. So it's great, yeah, great to be here. Yeah, he's been doing a great job. I mean, it's a good thing to take the EHNS, you know, job um, position and turn it into a return for the company, our customers, our suppliers. And I think that's what uh, Matt and I talk about a lot is how we can show that return and value to everyone. Yeah, Matt, maybe if you want to just talk about yourself for a minute, you know, your, your background and where you come from and maybe some of the stuff you've been working on and what's it been, like six months, a little longer than that now? Uh, I think just about seven. Yeah. 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 Nice. Nice. Yeah. So uh, a little bit about my background. I'm uh, not Rhode Island born, but I've been uh, Rhode Island bred, went to URI for chemical engineering and uh, about Rob Roach and the chemical company through um, one of their portals, actually. And it's been a pretty wild ride, you know, coming from more of an engineering background into regulatory. There's a lot of stuff I can apply from my, you know, formal education, some of my internship experiences, and uh, bring that to the chemical company. And it's been, uh, it's been interesting to learn about all these different opportunities that TCC has to show that we are on the forefront of um, regulatory and uh, product stewardship uh, trends. Uh, so with this ISO 14001 certification that we just received, it really shows that uh, TCC is maintaining um, strict standards. Yeah, strict standards as far as uh, environmental management, uh, really with three points in regulatory compliance, prevention of pollution, and conservation, which is, uh, from what I've seen from other companies, far ahead, we're, we're on the curve. It's good. good. That's yeah. good. Uh, I, mean, I mean, he's been doing a great job, and, and I, I'm looking forward to utilizing EHNS further uh, in the future. So, um, and he's a reader too. 
gets in the way. <laughs> yeah, I see, I see your computer screen sometimes, and it's just like size eight font all the way down. Like, where's the pictures, man? Yeah, I mean, where's the pictures? You know? <laughs> Pick the grams. That's what I like. Yeah. You know? Some days uh, at the yeah. end of the, the day, my eyes are pretty red. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's really cool because as a company, as individuals, you know, we're a sales organization, sales and marketing, Ben, of course. And we're always moving forward, moving forward, moving forward, new supplier, new customer, you know, servicing customers, growing our, our, our supply base, our customer base. And to have somebody to slow us down and say, hey, man, did you look at this? You sure you want to do that? You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's good to have that, that person watching our back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll, there's, there's times where we'll get a request for a product in some other somewhere in Europe or Asia or whatever. And I'm like, hey, Rob, can we do this? Or, hey, Javi, can we do this? And you're like, oh, yeah, of course, let's do it. And then it's it's good to have maybe Matt in the back and be like, hey, you know, we should look at this, this, and this <laughs> before we just start shipping stuff, you know, kind of everywhere. So yeah. definitely good to have that, I guess, voice of reason, you could say, it seems like. Yeah, it's interesting for me trying to step in, uh, you know, with all this experience around, you know, we have about 30 people on our staff with, I mean, combined probably hundreds of years of experience in the chemical industry. It's uh, it's kind of humbling to step in there with six or seven months of experience and, you know, trying to help guide things. He's like a soft piece of clay. We're molding them <laughs> nicely. Oh, yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, throw me into the fire, Rob. That's right. <laughs> Literally throwing into the fire as you did a plant audit last week and showed up in a, a full suit, which was very nice of you, but then you had to put a nice thick rubber suit and boots and hood over it, and you were literally in the fire. Oh, yeah, that's a lesson learned. Do not wear a full <laughs> suit midsummer in Houston. <laughs> <laughs> wise, wise words from who, Matt Francoeur. Who would have thought? Yeah. All right, back to EHS and some regulatory stuff in a minute. Um, but touching on some some news and industry information going on, uh, one of the biggest things, at least with TCC's business and kind of the sectors we focus in, is propylene contracts settling up. Um, I think officially eight cents per pound now. Um, what do you see? How do you see that impacting the months going forward, and obviously the the immediate month here, Rob? Yeah, it's, it, it's a bit of a shock to see eight cents a pound, um, you know, after subsequent increases months prior, and um, you know, there's been a lot of turnarounds. Um, propane values have spiked. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's just the nature of the game, you know, nature of the beast uh, that you know these things happen. But I don't think anyone forecasted it to go up this much, and obviously, it's going to have effects down the line, uh, down the chain, oxos, plasticizers amongst other things, acetates, uh, <clears throat> aldehydes, et cetera. I mean, there, the, the list goes on and on. So propylene is the, it's the flower of the bread, you know, so it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's a big driver. Um, and is that one of the bigger increases in one month you've seen, or is that, is it up there? This is a big one. Yeah. This is a big one, yeah. And uh, so, you know, we're going to continue with the theme we've been talking about in prior podcasts. Now is not the time to keep no inventory on the floor to keep low inventory to do just in time. You know, if you need to make stuff, you need raw materials. And right now, just about everything is tight. Prices are moving up. It's a good time to buy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, one other piece of news, I think this week coming out, the Nat gasoline plant starting up, the big meth methanol plant in the U.S. that will eventually have the U.S. being a net exporter of methanol. Uh, obviously, we've we've dealt with and managed and sold methanol for a long time now. How do you see that impacting TCC's business as well as, you know, the global marketplace for methanol and its related products? I mean, I have no idea where all this methanol is going. It's amazing <laughs> how much methanol is now being produced here in the U.S. First time in my career I've seen the U.S. being a net exporter of, of, of methanol. I've seen so many trends and so many different 
changes in the methanol industry from where I started in 1997 and all the methanol was exiting the U.S. market, going to you know foreign countries, Venezuela, a couple plants were built there, Trinidad, multiple plants built there, um, Chile, uh, Equatorial Guinea, um, you know, and, and, and low-cost Saudi Arabia, obviously. <clears throat> wherever the low-cost gas was throughout the world, and that was not in the USA. You know, fast forward 20 years later into my career, everything come back. Mm -hmm. um, but what do you see when everything comes back is you see a strain on the workforce, uh, cost of labor increases, the cost of steel and all the things that needed to make a plant increase. So the CapEx for this plant must have been really high. Yeah. You know, especially with the weather events we had uh, over the last couple of years, um, the rebuilding, uh, all the labor needed to rebuild. And so I can see, um, you know, the uh, MTO, methanol to olefins, is, is, is holding steady in China. And that's, uh, you know, one big MTO plant will be a million tons of, of methanol. So, but they're running 50, 60% rates. But yep. I've, I've now <clears throat> graduated or moved out of the, uh, the methanol business. But uh, it's always uh, something that will be near and dear to my heart because I started in it. Corey's taken it over. We're um, a Sabic house where mm -hmm. we handle the Northeast U.S. for Sabic and, and possibly other parts of the country in the future. And it's, it's definitely a very important product for TCC, something we'll stay in and we'll maintain and we'll grow in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other piece of news, more on the logistics side. I know we've, we've seems like we talked about logistics and freight and trucking in every single podcast, and it's unfortunately never good news, but it's good to keep getting the word out there and making sure people are aware of what's, what's going on and what's coming up and why things are happening the way they are. Uh, the CVSA Operation Safe Driver Week is July 15th to the 21st. Uh, that's the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance. Um, last year in 2017, there was reported 39,000 commercial citations in that one week. Uh, typically, that'll mean drivers either won't work that week or it'll be more expensive as there's lower capacity. Um, just one more regulatory, I don't want to say issue, but something coming up that's going to impact capacity and, and planning purposes. Um, do you see that being a big <clears throat> issue in the next couple of weeks or have you already seen it? Obviously, people are hopefully planning a week or two out, you know, to kind of get the best rates and, and confirm availability. You know, we'll call this adding insult to injury. You know, it's just, <laughs> yep. yeah, yes, we need safe drivers on the road. We need to have um, enforcement, obviously, uh, to make sure that, um, you know, the, the rules and the protocols are being followed. But uh, it's just so hard right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, it's right now 4th of July week, and um, that certainly people don't, drivers don't want to work on the 4th of July week. And. We don't have any drivers anymore, and I mean, it's something's got to be done. Yep. You know, we're talking about it constantly for good reason. It's a major issue. Been talking about it for years, and uh, it's not going to get better. I don't think anytime soon. I don't see any um, end in sight, and I just want to re reinforce and encourage people to give long lead times. Make sure you give weeks advance notice of deliveries yeah we've gotten some pretty crazy newsletters i think coming in from some of our trucking partners and, and companies we use with bonuses and offers that they're giving to try to get new drivers and it's just it's amazing that it's it seems well, like it's not catching on hopefully it will it's but. not catching on but also we've seen some major producers 
announced price increases just on the cost of freight, you know, mm-hmm. and, and distributors as well. Major, you know, top five distributors have all announced across the board price increases because of the cost of transportation es- escalating so much. So, and some as high as four or five week minimum lead times, yeah, which is yeah, bananas. It's bananas, but it's reality <laughs> today. I mean, right. I'd love to have that as well, but you know, we're you know, we're we're sort of small and nimble and able to to do our best, um, and many times to do it on short notice. But uh, yeah, you better be you better be forecasting and looking forward and getting your orders in early. Yep, that's all we can do is keep hammering that, that point home and hope you know, happy to help uh, plan or help help our customers and, and business partners plan the best they can too to just make it the best process for everybody, I guess. Yeah. I mean, from an EH&S point of view, this, you know, the demand on the truckers, even though there's all these rules and safety guidelines, I mean, you know, there's there's got to be some issues popping up, you know, because of the lack of availability of raw materials, you know, plants going down, you know, uh, people getting desperate. I mean, you got to look at it from a health and safety aspect as well. You know, we're, they're trying to do this to create safer roads, but w- what are the trickle-down effects? Right. And unfortunately, regulations like this are, you know, they take longer to change. So I don't think we'll see a major major regulatory change for at least a few years yeah, in I think a major way. I think the, 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 the government sidetracked with a few other things. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got to assume obviously these these safe driver weeks and these regulatory weeks are nothing new, but at once when we had enough truckers it wasn't a big deal. You know, there's plenty of truckers, some get pulled off for citations stuff like that and stuff happens. Mm. But now, you know, 10 years ago if one truck got pulled off, that's one truck. Now it's almost like five or six trucks, you know, you're losing worth of capacity. I mean, the just, plants are already strained yeah. and when they're strained and they have a raw material that are necessary to show up otherwise they got to shut the plant down or it'll, it'll explode. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this gets to be something that ought to get up to the top levels of the government. They ought to make some action here very quickly. Well, it's not only expensive, it gets dangerous at that point. Yep. Yeah. You would hope. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on, price updates, trends. Obviously, we've talked a little bit about propylene already. Um, benzene has trended lower a little bit, ethylene flat to higher. Uh, crude oil has gone up in the last couple of weeks, uh, sitting around $74 a barrel. We saw it pretty much in June around 65 um, high 60s. Uh, natural gas flat, slightly lower, um, but not not too much going on, on that front. Uh, what are you seeing, Rob? Similar similar trends. Similar. Obviously, we talked about price uh, impacts and, and changes based strictly on freight, um, not necessarily being tied to a lot of raw materials. Now, um, what are you seeing on that front? Well, it was interesting to see you know crude jump so much. You yeah. know, um, you know. I think that's a new threshold, right? We're up at 73, 74. I mean, I don't think we've seen it that high in quite some time. I remember the day you texted me when it was a big deal that it's above 60. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Which wasn't all that long ago, and now we're talking about 74, 75. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's, you know, it's going to affect all of these, you know, derivatives. Oil derivatives are going to be affected uh, if it stays in that, in that area. And, you know, for the consumer, gasoline, you know, diesel. Prices are, are I'm sure, up. I haven't paid much attention yet. But um, you know, I've I've seen oil go as high as 120, 130 plus a barrel. Um, didn't expect that either. But boy, yep. that had some major effects on everything. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a little bit shocking. All the other ones being relatively flat, kind of what you'd expect this time of year. Um, and the Nasdaq is flat. I think the financial markets are just kind of wait and see there's been the interest rate hike and more hikes to come 
Um, you know, I think that uh, people are a little worried still about what might happen with, um, you know, the, the global trade war, if, if you will. Um, but, you know, what I'm learning is nothing happens quickly. Yeah. So they talk about it and talk about it and talk about it in news and fake news and all this sort of stuff. And nothing really ever happens too quickly. So um, except for the price of propylene going up. <laughs> <laughs> the one the one outlier here. We're such geeks. You know, we're like, ha, 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 propylene, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. This is, uh, this is what we love, though, you know. Yeah. It's not like, you know, we're not here talking about, you know, fishing or rock and roll or something like that this is we're like probably and we're like into this or i am at least so but i love this stuff it's it's cool yeah the fishing talk comes at the end of the podcast okay so if, right, you are, if you are good, interested good. you know stay stay tuned it'll be we're, we're, we're getting there i promise um moving back a little bit back to the ehns and regulatory side of things obviously we have matt sitting down with us which is nice um so matt maybe if you want to talk a little bit about what you've been working on on the iso front uh, maybe a little bit on the nacd front we're also working with our it folks on some gdpr regulations so a lot going on on the on the regulatory side um maybe you want to give a, a quick overview on maybe what each of those are and how that's you know going to impact tcc and our customers and suppliers and, and the whole process yeah absolutely so i talked a little bit about the iso 14001 uh, certification that we recently got um, and what ISO 14001 is, uh, it's, it's a criteria for environmental management system that maps out a framework that a company can follow to set up an effective environmental management system to measure and improve environmental impact. Um, and TCC's environmental policy um, <clears throat> is that we will conduct our operations in a way that is protective of the environment. We will pr promote openness with interested parties and are committed to the responsible care guiding principles. Uh, we will maintain an environmental management system that will serve as a framework to achieve regulatory compliance, prevention of pollution, and conservation. And mentioned in that is uh, responsible care guiding principles. That is our next step. Uh, it's a natural stepping stone from ISO 14001. And uh, responsible care 14001 is a kind of a hybrid system between ISO 14001 and the American Chemi Chemistry Council's responsible care standard. Um, and this really applies to principles of product stewardship community outreach, and environmental health, safety, and security to the entire scope of uh, TCC's business. And it really allows us uh, to achieve new efficiencies in regards to chemical management, as well as accessing new chemical partners through the American Chemistry Council, um, who you, you can achieve membership through the Responsible Care Certification. And it seems like, I don't know if it's a regional thing or what it is, but there's a lot of maybe international or even U.S.-based companies that require certain ISO certifications to do any kind of business and information sharing, it seems like. The thing that's interesting about the 14,001 is the environmental aspect, the environmental mm -hmm. position that is being um, drawn out here for, for us and other companies. I can remember when I was 16, I put a bumper sticker on my car. It said, love your mother with a little Mother Earth on it. <laughs> People thought I was crazy. <laughs> you know, but I, I could see the changes going on when I was 16 years old. I could see what was happening and... And I think that today we don't trust our youth. We, we call them millennials. We call them, you know, the millennials, they're, they're idiots. They, they, they don't do anything. We have to trust the youth. Um, and we have to give them hope. I'm starting to sound like my father here. But <laughs> it's really interesting that the trend that I picked up at 16 years old is now being applied not only to us, but the monster companies of this world. And I also heard yesterday that was an announcement that the state of Rhode Island has now sued all the major oil producers for mm -hmm. the effects they've had in global warming. 
This is huge. And other states are going to follow. So the profits that you reap aren't always yours forever. Hmm. You, you know, there's a payback if you don't have an environmental impact policy and abide by it. So you can look at all the major oil companies and all these massive profits and, you know, invest in it and all things like this will take those profits and turn them around and try and fix what's been impacted. And so, you know, I just, I hate to chime in so much, Matt, <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's very interesting to see the, the environmental position being taken here by us, a little company, you know, in Jamestown, but we're handling chemicals. We don't want to spill any, we don't want to ever have that go anywhere than where it was meant to be. Absolutely. And it, it does tie in very closely to the climate we're seeing with, you know, these regulatory changes. Like you said, these big companies are adopting these principles, um, you know, within the past two to three years, really. And then you also see um, China adopting new environmental principles as well, a country that's, you know, has a very long history of really polluting our environment mm. and doing a lot of damage to our planet. So I think... And thank God. Yeah. Thank God they are. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. you know, they, they're they're like the United States in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. They went through their their mm. industrial revolution or, or, or post-industrial revolution, and, and the, the, the damage that's been caused is monumental. Yeah, absolutely. So thank God they're doing this. You know, it's, it's having an effect <laughs> on all of us in our supply of raw materials and goods and chemicals, but for the, be for the betterment of the earth, you know, it, it needs to be done. I mean, I sound like a, a hippie here, but I mean, <laughs> I can see it with my own two, not, two eyes, what's going on mm -hmm. outside. You know, it's, it's a changed world. So hopefully we can fix it before it's too late. And it's not hundred percent about these companies suing or the state of Rhode Island suing just to make some money and transfer of profits and stuff like that there's only one earth. I mean, if we keep going this way, you know, it's not about the profits and how many zeros you can add onto the check after this lawsuit. It's whether the earth survives or not. Like it's, it well, just sounds the, crazy. But. It is checks though. I mean, it's think part, about yeah, it. Partially. The damage to the infrastructure, yeah. the, the beaches that we all grew up going on are gone because of the, uh, the rising oceans and the, and the wave effect and the storms, the massive storms. I mean, this is real money. You know, this is this is money that is coming out of the pockets of us as taxpayers and going to fix things that the federal government is giving us some money for too, I guess. But really, who's responsible for that? Mm -hmm. And and we are as well. We drive our cars, we drink our iced coffees with plastic straws. I mean, it's it, we're slow to make the changes, but uh, you know, at least we're being conscious about it, and that's a good first step. It is, yeah. And uh, tying along with the responsible care. Um, we just recently passed our certification audit for uh, NACD's responsible distribution as well, which, uh, I mean, it ties in all very closely with uh, environmental health, safety, and security. Um, and it's great. They, they audited one of our uh, larger warehouses and, you know, I think, thankfully, packaging found nothing facility. Wrong. Exactly. Yep. yep. Packaging facility. Um, and, and it's all very good to see. Uh, we're already preparing for the next round of auditing. And the NACD is a, a fabulous organization that, you know, is put in position to defend the dis distributors that are a part of it. Mm -hmm. This is a recertification, really. I mean, we're already yes. a part of the NACD. Mm -hmm. We just be recertified to, to maintain our membership. So um, happy to be a part of the NACD and, and all the benefits that we get from it. It's, it's, it's a great organization. It's run by Ray Altenberger, mm -hmm. where he's the intermediary. Does a great job. Yeah, and all this info and all the certificate certification certificates and stuff like that's all available on our website too. Um, just go to the homepage. There's a whole regulatory tab. If anyone's curious more info or to, to link out to those 
um, agencies or, or bodies, regulatory bodies, to, to get some more info. Anything else, Matty? Um, oh, the GDPR. Yeah, absolutely, the GDPR. So um, under the General Data Protection Regulation, there is a one set of data protection rules for all companies operating in the EU, wherever they're based. So that means for us as a U.S.-based company, if we handle any information um, from residents of the European, European Union, um, we're responsible to comply with their regulations. Um, uh, this data protection reform is passed with the intent of giving citizens of the EU more control over their personal data and uh, really leveling the playing field for businesses. Um, and, and in short, any data collected by a business that is identifiable for a resident of the EU is covered under G GDPR. The regulation states how business may, businesses may collect and store this data, as well as requiring customer consent for data collection, data breaches to be reported, and providing a mechanism for all customer information to be deleted upon request. And with stuff like that, I mean, you think, you know, Facebook, obviously, Twitter, those giant social media empires, I'm going to say, um, that's really the intent of who the EU wants to follow this regulation. But even companies like us who, I mean, we deal with the European Union, but a vast majority of our business is domestic. My interpretation of this, protection for individual users of the World Wide Web. Yep. Yep. That's it. And it's interesting because the EU is starting this. It's an EU regulation as of now, but it's going to be the global policy at some point. Every nation or continent or regulatory body, anybody is going to have a, reg a regulation that looks like this. Just with oh, the I'm sitting in front of two 20-plus-year-olds. I mean, you guys grew up with this. How do you feel about privacy on the World Wide Web? I mean, you guys are the ones that are seen as the generation that's putting yourself out there. I mean... Mm -hmm. Do you ever have conscious thoughts of maybe I shouldn't be doing this? So in school, that's, I mean, that's what they always stress, you know, don't, you know, give your information out to strangers. I mean, in elementary school, I think we had a couple of speakers come in and that's the first time I got, you know, exposure to that. And, uh, you know, now it's, I've given how, how much of my information to Facebook and all these social media. Tinder. Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's not only that, it's not only you liking pictures of dogs on Facebook, it's, how much banking do you do online? You mm -hmm. pay your mortgage online. You do everything online. I mean, when that like the Equifax hack came out and billions of people's social security numbers got taken, it's just kind of like another day in the life. Yep, okay, that happened. So it's it's almost like you're expecting breaches to happen. You're expecting stuff like this to happen and just relying on the company to fix it and to make it better and monitor your, you know, making sure no one's imitating you and opening credit cards on your behalf and stuff like that and just assuming that the checks and balances are in place that, hey, breaches are going to happen, people are going to get your info, it is going to get stolen, and just I get, almost assuming that companies are going to do the right thing to protect you afterwards, which is almost a scary thought. You're relying on someone else to manage your info, and then when that info gets taken, make it better. Mm. You know, it's, it's pretty much all out of your hands, which is a little intimidating. You know, I think it might be a little less intimidating for people like me and Matt and even you, I mean, you're not that far out of our generation. You've had the internet around for 44 now, as of yesterday. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, compared to my parents and grandparents and people that the internet's still this brand new crazy thing, it's a little bit more intimidating for them. I think we're all pretty used to it. It is you know, just kind of the way the world is now. It is, it is pretty cool what the EU is doing. I mean, you know, instead of depending on the individual to regulate and protect themselves, they're going the other way and saying to corporations and government entities and, and other individuals alike are saying, these are the rules that you have to abide by. Mm -hmm. um, and if not, there's liability involved. So <clears throat> interesting. I hadn't thought about it from that direction. I, you know, I have my kids 
you know, I'm protecting them by saying, no, you can't go on or blocking this or blocking that. But really what it comes down to is this is a new gold rush. Mm. You know, this is all new. I only got my iPhone in 2010, eight years ago. I mean, it seems crazy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, before that, I obviously had the internet and things like that. But only since 1997 did we have a web page. Yep. And that's 21 years ago. I mean, that's not that long ago. I mean, it gets it's getting longer. But, <laughs> but uh, no, this is, you know, the GDPR regulations are, you know, it's, 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 it's awesome. You know, that the EU, it's going to spread throughout the world. It really will because there has to be some, some liability placed on these, you know, trolling individuals that are, uh, well, not them really, but people that warehouse basically our information and then share it for profit. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Facebook did and others have done. Yeah. So just, many- just understanding how your data has been using, being used is the biggest part of it. That's a difficult thing for an individual, but the government can say that the corporations have to have guidelines on how they use it, and that's what GDPR is. Absolutely, and it's kind of interesting how it's uh, beginning to play out. Uh, TCC, for us, I mean, it makes much more sense to apply this protection to not just citizens of the EU, but really to all of our customers, and so that's a trend that actually uh, a lot of companies are taking. So this European regulation is really affecting everyone on a global scale. So we're getting protections as citizens of the U.S., even though it's a European Union wow. regulation. That's another thing I hadn't thought about, Matt. I mean, might as well do it for the world. You yeah. know, if we got to do it for the EU, we might as well do it'll, it for the world. It'll happen for sure. Yep. Yeah. I think it's not if it's one. Exactly. Yep. <clears throat> okay. And obviously, on the TCC side, we've had a great team putting together our GDPR regulations between Matt, um, George Manchester's, Sitting over here on the on the audio board, um, Maya, who's our, our summer intern and our IT folks. So we definitely had a good good group, and we're we're making progress and keeping making sure we're all up to snuff and everything. Good. Anything else on the regulatory side, Matt? We got it pretty covered. Got that pretty covered. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah so I'll, <clears throat> I'll link up wherever you're listening to this podcast up in the show notes. Uh, that'll have our regulatory URL. That'll have all info on everything we're working on, all of our certifications and certificates and and stuff like that. Um, moving on, featured products on the TCC side specifically. Uh, since we got Matt here, Matt obviously does some regulatory or a lot of regulatory work, um, but also oversees a couple new products to TCC. Maybe if you want to just mention those briefly, what the what the products you manage are and you know what they are, what they're used for, and some info on that. Yeah, the products I manage are uh, two of Avonix Performance Intermediates. Uh, the first is Driveron S, which is a high-purity form of MTBE, or methyltrybutyl ether, um, that is stable against peroxidation and is used in processing of high-value products to, such as pharmaceuticals. Um, and also Elator CH, which is a non-phthalate plasticizer for use in PVC manufacturing. Um, and it addresses today's risks associated with um, special PVC applications without neglecting the cost and performance of established plasticizers. And it's a really strong alternative to Dinch, specifically. Okay. Yeah, those are, you know, two great products, two new additions to our line. The driver on SMTB is obviously not for fuel. Uh, this is a, <laughs> we're, we're in the U.S. where it's banned in any fuels. It uh, mm-hmm. um, used to be used as an oxygenate in gasoline, but it had a lot of issues in finding groundwater and uh, is obviously a toxic product, but this is used to make pharmaceuticals, you know, things like Lipitor um, use a high purity MTB in their reactions, and Matt could tell you more about that, but, and the Elator, 
uh, it, it is for uh, giving flexibility to PVC. Um, and as Matt mentioned, it's a, it's a, a good alternative to BASF Stinch. Um, it's actually the same product, but we just can't use that trade name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's available now, um, good for uh, use in things like toys or things that'll come in human contact um, because it's a um, cyclohexanoate, which means that it's a phthalate that's been hydrogenated. So great products, immediately available. Send us the orders. Yeah, yeah two, <laughs> two great products that definitely slot right in well with TCC's you know, current uh, offering and, and what we've managed for a long, long time now. So um, we'll definitely link up information in the product pages for both those in the show notes as well as Matt's contact info. Um, if you want to get in contact for more info on availability or you know, what those products can be used for. Uh, upcoming shows, conferences, events. Uh, it's obviously summertime, which is nice. Usually pretty quiet on the trade show front. Um, unless you're AJ Pacharka or Corey Mullins and you're going to San Antonio in the middle of July, which, as Matt can attest to, isn't super fun. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we have the, the Southwestern Fertilizer Conference uh, mid-July in San Antonio that uh, AJ and Corey will be down at. Uh, that same week, we'll have the uh, SPI Vinyl Compounders Conference, which is in Charleston, South Carolina. We had a good group going to that. I think we have seven or eight um, of us, myself included, going down, uh, which will be a, a Good event, good technical discussions and, and networking events and stuff like that. So a, a good event and obviously a great location down in Charleston. Um, and then a little bit further down the line in September, um, Specialty and Agro Chemicals America, or as we refer to it, the Specialty Chem and Agro Show, uh, which we'll have a little 10 by 10 booth at, a little tabletop booth um, with a couple of our salespeople. And we'll, I think, speak to that more you know, as we get a little bit closer. But that is kind of coming down the, down the line. And you know, like I said, a little bit quieter of a a summer trade show season, which is which is nice. Especially Chem and Agro is back in uh, Charleston as well. Yep, yep, back in South Carolina. Um, and then, I guess, getting way ahead of ourselves, they obviously added that second event that we'll be at in uh, February in Fort Worth, Texas. Should be a good show. Um, a little bit little bit different of a focus, but it'll be nice to see that they're adding a second show, and, and hopefully we get a good, good turnout for that. Um, and then some, some bigger events later in the year, obviously APIC, um, Kuala Lumpur, uh, EPCA in Vienna. I know, Rob, you're pretty excited for that one. Oh, yeah. Have we been to Vienna before? I have. One, one, one time before we had the EPCA, I believe, four years ago there. It was a great city. Awesome place. Yeah, so that'll be nice with uh, you, Ray, and Javier. And then uh, APLA in November. Uh, we're allowing Javier and Angela to go to Cancun for that, <laughs> which, which will be nice. Great great location for that event. Uh, obviously a good, pretty central location as well. Easy it's to in get Cancun. To, so. I might join them. Me too. <laughs> Everybody here is invited. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. Um, and then obviously getting way ahead of ourselves, AFPM, thinking down the line next year, uh, March 24th, that starts. We're looking at our third annual cocktail party, and we'll obviously have a, a big showing down at that AFPM as well. So probably are not putting your meeting schedules together quite yet, um, but just to start thinking down the line a little bit. Wrapping things up, um, what are you guys' thoughts heading into July? You know, definitely getting into summertime. Hopefully this humidity heat wave goes away and we get, you know, just some nice summertime weather. Um, what's what's going on this month or we're moving on in the summertime? What do you think, Matt? Taking taking some beach time at some point, hopefully? Hopefully, yeah. Yep. Definitely going to have some fun on 4th of July here. Well, it's going to be a little bit Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, we are working the day before 4th of July. We're yep. sitting in an office, but it's an oh. air-conditioned office and... Uh, no, you know, July's um, 
typically a strong month. Um, used to be everybody shut down for two weeks in early July because of the, the cost savings on energy. But, you know, the way things are now, um, a lot of times at the end of the year, people leave for extended breaks because a lot of the, the labor is um, from foreign countries as well. So well, most companies, they work uh, hard through the summer. And uh, July is usually a strong month for us, so uh, we'll be here paying attention and uh, delivering when we can because yeah. of trucking uh, issues. Yeah. How about uh, outside of work? Obviously, you got getting back to the fishing topic a little yeah. bit. You got you got some fishing in uh, last weekend. We could talk to you about golfing, but uh, we could do that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a okay. lot of golf coming up. Now, fishing's been good. I mean, it was um, a cold, wet spring. Usually brings good fishing around now, and, and it's delivered. We mm -hmm. just got back from a canyon trip on Sunday night. Uh, we were out there overnight uh, for about 36 hours. We got blue marlin. We got swordfish. We got uh, big mako. We got a big eye tuna. Uh, it was a great trip. I mean, we came back with a, a lot of fish, so uh, we'll be sharing that at the office this afternoon. Yeah, I guess we, we do have some golf coming up too, which is always fun. Um, AJ Pacharka is our kind of in-house member of the Chemical Club of New England. Um, they do an annual golf tournament, so we got that coming up in a couple weeks. Um, a couple of business partners and customers coming up for that, so that should be a nice event. Um, and we also donate for the Play for Playmakers Charity Golf Tournament, which is the Life is Good Kids Foundation, which is a nice event as well up in Mass. Um, unfortunately, being up in the New England area, we only get a couple months to get some golf in since it's snowing more than it seems like it's nice out. Um, but a couple, couple good events coming up, so we're looking forward to that. Um, Are you considered a scratch golfer? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> I know you're pretty darn good. Yeah. Well, I don't even know what scratch means. That means you're, you're a par or better? Yeah, so if par is 72, it means you can shoot a 72. So basically. what are you? I would say I played a one over, so like an 18 handicap. Um, can you interpret that for me? I'm not a golfer. So par, if par is 72. Okay, so you're up at 90. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, you know, it's if, not bad. if you had a par three, you know, you got a short par three hole. Yeah. If I got a four, I'm happy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with 90 on hole one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, golf's fun. I, the first time I played with AJ was the first time he played with like in, in a company setting. And he thought he was like going to the PGA Tours. Like, he was all nervous and stuff like that. I was like, AJ, everyone sucks at golf. Like it's just, yeah, yeah, it is yeah. what it is. And, you know, you go out, you have a good time. Some people are a little bit better. Some people aren't as good, but, you know, it's, it's a good time. They usually set up tournaments in a way where... If you have one or two strong golfers and a couple other not so strong golfers in one area or another, you know you can still do well. You know, you use one shot off the tee and then one middle shot, so it's not not too bad. I think we should arrange like a charity surfing event or something mm, up here. Now you're talking. Forget the golf. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's nice to have golfers in the company and uh, young golfers at that. So um, we've got some older golfers too, but um, it's nice to be involved in these charity events and. Uh, and, and also our industry events, it's great. Yeah, it's a good way of giving back, too. You know, it never hurts to play around in golf on a Monday, but at the same time, we, most of them are for good organizations and good charity organizations, and it is a good good way of giving back, as as we always try to do with, with different things we do throughout the year. So definitely nice to, to keep involved. Great stuff. Anything else, guys? I think we're good. Yeah, well, thank you guys for listening. Um, appreciate it. You can definitely stream this podcast wherever you do find your podcasts. Um, Thechemco.com slash podcast is a great resource. Um, the iTunes, the Google Play podcast store, depending what device you're on. Uh, you can find them on YouTube. Um, you can find them on the mobile app if you search for The Chemical Company or The View from Jamestown. So make it pretty easy to, to 
find the podcast and stream it however you want to. The show notes are available everywhere. So check that out, however you like to get your information. And we'll catch you next week. Thank you.